Welcome, everyone, to Narrative Dissonance here on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, co-host Carter Laren, uh, joined by... <laughs> Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Narrative Dissonance is a show we do every Monday uh, in which we talk to people from outside the mainstream media uh, about, you know, maybe how we're being lied to, misled, uh, Usually outright lied to, sometimes just misled, I guess. You can follow us on unsafespace.com. You can find this live stream embedded there. Uh, we're also on Utreon, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, and on Twitter. You can go to underscore unsafe space. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're subscribed, then, uh, especially on YouTube, if you think you're already subscribed, uh, they have a good way of uh, unsubscribing you, unbeknownst mm -hmm. to you. So uh, go double check <laughs> that. And, uh, oh, do we have any, any other... Any other? Oh, you know, one announcement we should just not an announcement, but an FYI. If you're sending super chats to today's show, they won't go on screen because we're actually pre recording today's show. So this is the show for Monday, September 12th, but we're pre recording it a little bit. So uh, we'll join you in chat, but we won't be able to put on super chats on screen. Okay. Without further ado, let's welcome uh, this week's panelist. Today we get to speak to Ari Hoffman. Ari's West Coast editor at the Post Millennial, and he's the host of the Ari Hoffman Show on America's first conservative talk radio station, 570KVI. You can follow him on Twitter at The Hoff Father, different <laughs> than The Godfather, but similar, perhaps. Uh, and you can follow, you can also find his uh, show page at kvi.com slash the Ari Hoffman show. Uh, Ari, welcome to Narrative Dissonance. Great to be here, guys. How you doing? Great. Doing well. Doing well. Uh, did I, by the way, did I miss any other place people should follow you online or find you online? They can find me on Facebook and Instagram if they can find me on Facebook and Instagram because the Facebook overlords don't like me very much. So they've mm. throttled traffic to my page. But you can find me over there at Ari Hoffman Official. That used to actually be my biggest platform. And they really didn't like it when I shared the picture. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was about a year ago. Joe Biden was on a Zoom call with a whole bunch of world leaders, and he was wearing a mask on the Zoom call, and nobody else was. <laughs> and I, I shared that image, and they started restricting my page. Oh. And then they really <laughs> dropped the hammer on me. I'm an Orthodox Jew. They dropped the hammer on me when I wrote an article about a Bollywood actress who thought she was quoting Hitler and said, kill all Jews. And I wrote an article about it, and then they censored me for hate speech. Oh. So they really just dropped the hammer on me. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, wow. as long as you can find me on Facebook. You know, <laughs> well, if you're not getting censored at, or at least shadow banned or suppressed, you're doing something wrong uh, yeah. these days. So uh, that's that's good. So, Ari, let's kick it off with um, a, a question to you, which is what is the most important story uh, about which do you think the mainstream media has been misleading people? And there's two. Yeah, there's two of them, actually. That's a hard question to answer. Which one? Because there's right. so many. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah that's a, like you sent me that that question beforehand. And I'm like, wow, this is really going to take some thinking. But there's really two that I thought of, which was number one is why are the Democrats pushing so hard for all these, quote unquote, harm reduction style actions to deal with the opioid crisis, to deal with the drug crisis? And then the second one is the mismanagement completely blowing of COVID. And I actually think there's relations between both. But those are the two I think they are not covering at all. I mean, we're looking at the numbers out of Israel right now. 
you look at the numbers out of Israel, Israel is the testbed platform for Pfizer. Now, to be perfectly clear with your audience, I have had two vaccines and I've had the booster shot, not because I wanted to, but because I want to visit my son in Israel and it was required for me to go there. Mm -hmm. And he was there studying abroad for the year. And I really wanted to see my son. And I figure, hey, I'm done having kids. What could it really do to me? I have regretted that decision, not visiting my son, but I've regretted actually getting the vaccine. And I have looked at the numbers from Israel this entire time because they were the test platform for Pfizer. If you look at their deaths in every single category since they started using the vaccine, everybody got it. And they were the first nation. Everybody get it. They're a contained space. Nine million people. Very easy. The deaths in almost every single category have gone up. The miscarriages have gone up. Everything has gone up. And to try and deny that and say there's no link something's wrong, something's off. I'm about to cost you guys your YouTube channel, right? <laughs> something's just, something's uh, not right. We've done there. it before, so go yeah. ahead. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> something's not right when you're seeing that across the board. And it's not just this, in Israel, it's around the world. A friend of mine who's a doctor is telling me the number of miscarriages here in the U.S. is through the roof. Mm -hmm. What's going on when you're talking about, what, uh, somewhere between a 75 and 95% vaccination rate when you're looking at that across the country? What's going on? And I'm so glad we stopped the flu, which had a 99.8% chance of survivability. Uh, that's where we're at. So I really think those two stories are the ones that nobody's discussing. Uh -huh. Let's let's do the channel banning one first, because I want to <laughs> I'd want to dive into it a little bit because uh, it's I, so I, someone the other day reached out to me, someone who's in contact with my child sometimes. And so she reached out and said, oh, by the way, I was I might have been exposed to covid. You know, <laughs> and I was like, I thought I thought to myself, OK, it's 2022. It's it's what September now. It's September 2022. I, it's pretty much is just a flu now. Like, is there am I missing something like we're not if it wasn't before. It's pretty mild at this point. So I thought to myself. Would someone have said that if they had been exposed, potentially exposed to the flu like five years ago, or would I think that a text from that person is crazy? If that's <laughs> like, would Look, I be like, I'm who's a, this crazy I'm, person? I'm a youth director, right? I volunteer uh -huh. with youth kids all the time. I run the youth services over for the synagogue. And I remember this one time, this parent sent their kid, no matter what virus they had, they sent their kid <laughs> to synagogue groups and everybody would get it. And my favorite mm -hmm. was the time they sent their kid with foot and mouth disease. And oh. everybody got, and that's like Ooh. super contagious. It's disgusting. Yeah. And we had mm -hmm. to sanitize everything in the synagogue. And they were those, you know, there's always that one kind of parents that no matter what, mm -hmm. they're to school. I'm like, why can't we just go back to the way if you're not feeling well, don't go to school. I mean, so many kids <laughs> carried the Yeah, flu. that's reasonable. Right. Or how about this one? Okay. The only thing I remember anybody ever calling about was lice. Right. Uh -huh. Oh, you had lice. Then, okay, well, they were at our house and we may need to do, hey, you know what? If you're feeling a little itchy or maybe go get your kids checked. I remember that. But then it was stay home until you're sure you don't have it. Go to Lice to Know You, which is the place near us where they do your whole head thing and everything like that. And you're good to go. But this is this is insane. And it discounts everything we know about viruses for years, that if you have natural immunity, you're better off. That if mm -hmm. you get this thing, okay, I get that it is deadly to a certain segment of the population. We are around my wife's 97-year-old grandmother all the time. She's had COVID twice. She's had all, she is perfectly fine. We've mm -hmm. all had it a bunch of times. It kicked my butt. I had the OG of COVID back in the day. And oh. why they didn't say, hey, you know what? Why don't we test you once a month and see if you have the antibodies? Because we're really worried about, even at that, 
they didn't even think about doing. And that's crazy to me. They didn't even consider that. And then they suspend pretty much every right we have, especially here in Washington state. So I remember the 39th amendment of the U.S. Constitution says none of these other ones apply if there's a worldwide pandemic, right? And they just jumped <laughs> yep. everything and threw it all out the window. So, that's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. That's the, well, that appears to be every single Democrat's favorite one. And <laughs> yeah, that one exists, but the second doesn't exist at all. I just want yeah. to be clear. No, no, and the first doesn't exist <laughs> no. at all. Yeah, we could just shut down synagogues and mosques and churches and everything because there's a pandemic, right? And mm -hmm. the fact that almost every Democrat governor in the country sent COVID positive patients into nursing homes. It wasn't just Cuomo. It was almost all of them. Newsom did it. Inslee did it. Whitmer did it. The guy in Pennsylvania did it. The guy in Virginia. I mean, all of them across the board, mm -hmm. they all did it. And nobody's being held accountable for that at all. And in fact, here in Washington state, Governor Jay Inslee bribed the nursing homes with Medicaid money to take the COVID positive patients, even though Washington state was the one where all these nursing homes were the first ones to get wiped out by this thing. They were bribing them and they say, oh, we did testing. You didn't have the testing. You, there was no way to, how can you say you had the testing? And nobody is being held accountable for this. Nobody at all. And they figure, oh, if we get rid of Cuomo because of this whole sexual harassment thing, then we don't have to discuss that every single Democrat governor did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's almost, it's kind of convenient that they had something else to remove him for. and Because because he was the poster child for sending COVID uh, patients to retirement homes well he just had the highest body count so that's that's yeah. really what it was you know we don't even he earned know it right sure. yeah we, right exactly we don't even know what newsom's is we don't know what newsom's yeah. body count is and actually given the california is the most populous state i assume his is higher but we Probably. don't know what his body count is has anybody actually done the work on that and then when you think about hey because of these shutdowns the depression the anxiety the suicides the substance abuse what's the real body count and actually uh -huh. that ties into the other point with the substance abuse of now, oh, we want to open injection sites everywhere to solve it. Tell me, with Alcoholics Anonymous, do they take you to a bar because you have a drinking problem? I, this is just insane. Oh, we're going to give you a place to go shoot up heroin. And it destroys neighborhoods. I mean, I've been up to these injection sites in Vancouver right before COVID. Actually, I think it was 2018, 2019. I was up in Vancouver. And we went in there with hidden audio. I actually have this over on YouTube for as long as I have my channel called Injected. And we took uh, hidden audio. We took microphones on us. And they admitted these places do not stop overdoses. These places kill people. These do not do anything they claim they do. And you look at the entire surrounding neighborhood and it's destroyed, completely destroyed. And now I'm seeing Philadelphia looking like that. Now I'm seeing San Francisco didn't look great beforehand. I remember going to San Francisco seven, eight years ago and going, oh my God, this could be Seattle. And now it's Seattle too. And it looks even worse now. And they keep doing this thing they call harm reduction. How is it reduction? I mean, they're great masters of verbiage and nouns and all that. They are. How is it harm reduction when you're saying, hey, let's inject ourselves with heroin? It makes no mm -hmm. sense at all. Yeah. I mean, and and it's really perverse. I mean, I'm, I do tend to be more libertarian in terms of drug laws, and I'd like to have uh, I'd like things to be legal, but that doesn't mean it's a good idea. And it doesn't mean that what I want is one particular legal zone where the government like says, like, this is the spot where you go. I think, um, you know, I it's a it's weird because you're like the Alcoholic Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous is a great example. Alcohol is legal. People abuse it. Uh and we recognize they have a problem. It, they're a danger to themselves and other people. We try and get them into rehab. We try and you know wean them off and get them, or, or call it them cold turkey, I guess, and get them to improve their lives by not turning to alcohol to numb their pain. 
I don't understand why. Like that's the definition of every other drug that that's exactly why people take drugs. So why the same approach doesn't isn't even really try. I guess it's kind of tried, but not really. Uh, yeah. You know, not it's at like, all. Yeah. Let's have a big bar in the middle of San Francisco. It's with an open bar in the middle of San Francisco. It's like, what? Well, I don't know that that's the best idea, guys. Yeah. And they they love this harm reduction thing. There's an organization here in town called People's Harm Reduction Alliance. And what they really do is they want to normalize drug behavior. And this is actually yep. something I used to consider myself more libertarian. And maybe I'm not as familiar with the libertarian viewpoints, but this is the kind of thing that made me go away from it. Like, oh, do what you want. But then with the drug addicted behavior, you're always seeking the drugs and you're going to burn all your money on drugs. You're going to seek more money. And whether that results in theft or whatever else it is, it does affect the people around you. And you find the needles in the right. parks everywhere and you find the people passed down the streets and then resources are tied up dealing with those people as opposed to dealing with anybody else who needs it. I mean, thanks to the defunding of the police, thanks to the cutting of the firefighters and police officers because of the vaccine mandates and all that. You can be put on hold on 911 in Seattle. It has happened to me. I called 911 about a month ago because I heard gunshots near my house. I didn't see it, heard them. And I live in a really nice suburb. And I heard him nearby and I, I thought I triangulated the position so I could tell the police. And I called 911 and I got a please hold message. And I was on hold for three minutes. Wow. Now think about that for a second. If you're on hold with 911 for three minutes and you're not me who's reporting something you heard and you're dealing with a really urgent issue. Like for example, my, my niece swallowed something the other day and she was choking to death. And luckily they picked up right away. They were there right away. Firefighters saved her life. But imagine if they had been put on hold for three minutes. Imagine how that story could have been different for somebody who really right. needed them. And that's what we're dealing with. And then flipping back to our other point before. So that gets us back to the COVID stuff, where literally Governor Jay Inslee announced this week that after 921 days of emergency powers, he's going to be giving them up in 53 days. He's going to be giving them up in 53 days. Well, what changes between now and 53 days from now? But in the meantime, he still has the vaccine mandate in place for firefighters and for police officers for the next 53 days, which means they're all still getting fired. We have these massive forest fires. You might hear it in my voice. My voice is kind of scratchy because these massive smoke clouds have completely overwhelmed Seattle. It's killing my throat. It's killing my voice. And we don't have enough firefighters to deal with this. So that's on top of everything else. And it's just horrifying to me that they can't see the short-sightedness of these decisions. And what's even crazier about it is they have this thing that you can get an exemption for your sincerely held religious beliefs. Who the hell is the government? To be deciding what your sincerely held religious beliefs are. I'm pretty sure there is an amendment about that one. And it's the first one. And they get to decide. So they say, okay, your sincerely held religious beliefs. Well, they accepted all the exemptions, but then rejected accommodations. So what that means is they said, okay, we acknowledge you're Christian and you don't believe in this or whatever it is. And we, we appreciate that, but we're not going to let you do testing. We're not going to let you do masking. All these things you've done before the, we had the vaccine, we're not going to let you do that anymore. And with the Seattle Fire Department, it was so absurd when you look at the fact that according to their estimation, one person out of millions of contacts they have, one person got COVID from the fire department. And that was before all the vaccines and everything. Wow. One person. So the accommodations, I guess you could say, work and stop the spread because they're wearing the face masks. I mean, the full shield, not these cruddy little things the rest of us were wearing. And they wouldn't grant them those accommodations. And it must be to get out of the lawsuit regarding the First Amendment implications. But now they're going to get sued up the wazoo because now they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going back on all that. And we're still firing you guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I talk uh, quickly. I throw out a lot. I apologize. Yeah, no, you did. <laughs> and, and we could get into longer conversations about how the government likes to create crises and then swoop in and then save them. I, I would say when you were saying, you, you know, they're very short sighted. I sometimes wonder uh, it's, if it's not short sightedness or if they're actually they, they see the big picture. Their agenda is just much different than what a moral mm -hmm. agenda might be. They 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 have a different goal, and that goal often involves power, uh, and it doesn't involve anything they say it involves, like you know, minimizing the impact of COVID or anything. I mean, one one thing I want to bring up with COVID, I don't know if you saw this, but this is directly related to what you're talking about. Um, so the CDC is now. Um, let's see if I can make this bigger. So they released, they recently released new data on incident rates for myocarditis. Uh, and if you compare this to the data from last year, so they were telling, do you remember they were saying, it's not a problem, we shouldn't mm -hmm. be concerned about it, blah, blah, blah. There were these people um, who, there's some, there's various papers, but this is one of them that was out. Uh, a paper by some researchers saying like, hey, we think that there's, you know, maybe a problem here. They and they cited uh, rates of myocarditis in in youth, specifically uh, young men. Well, the new numbers by CDC are in line with the numbers from the paper that was released a year ago that we were told uh, was science denying and you shouldn't look at it and blah, 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 blah. And the CDC is always right. These numbers are about five times as high as the CDC thought they were uh, and had previously reported. So you're looking at incident rates for males from 12 to 15 years uh, at 150 um, and out of out of about 200,000 here, oh, but this is a rate, so 150. And then 16 to 17, 137.1. If you look at last year, uh, males for Pfizer, this is after the second dose, it was 46. And 71. So this is like a couple times and, and basically five times the incident rate from what they claimed. And the people who are saying, hey, I think this rate is higher, CDC, and here's a paper and maybe we should be concerned about it, were shut down. In fact, people had their Twitter accounts suspended. They were suppressed on Facebook. They had Facebook accounts suspended. YouTube, I mean, we got strikes about uh, COVID <laughs> last year just for talking and asking questions. Um, and I guess the thing that really bothers me the most about this is the entire cathedral, the, the the mainstream media and all of the institutions that are supposedly the institutions we can rely on aren't reporting this. This isn't a, you know, CNN isn't leading with, hey, everyone, <laughs> the the people that we suppressed last year and said we're crazy science deniers we're right about these rates and the CDC was wrong about these rates. And here's the new rates that we know. And there might actually be something, maybe there's a discussion we need to have here instead of just shutting down uh, any kind of discussion whatsoever. And this, so this is just one that I ran across when, when you talk about COVID being mismanaged, um, it's, it's, it wasn't just mismanaged. They're also, denying that it was mismanaged they're pretending that it wasn't mismanaged sure follow the science but follow the money that then follows the science right? <laughs> that's really what we should be doing as opposed to anything i mean the, the easiest case to remember with all this was dr robert malone 
Mm -hmm. Dr. Robert Malone is one of the people who is part of the crew that designed the mRNA vaccine. And he was saying there are issues here. And he was trying to sound the alarm on it. And they did everything they could to suppress this guy. Well, they can't claim he's not a medical expert. So instead, they censored everybody who showed he was on my show, got taken off of YouTube. He was, you know, got taken off of almost every platform. I think you could still find it over on Rumble. You know, they censored Joe Rogan. Spotify starts getting all the complaints and everything about Dr. Robert Malone and haven't heard from him in a while because they yep. erased him essentially and saying, mm -hmm. oh, we're not going to talk about this guy because the narrative wasn't convenient to them. But it seems like all these guys were right. Alex Berenson, right? Mm -hmm. Kicked off of social media platforms nonstop. He was ca calling this stuff out from the beginning. Now, there was something that caught my attention. This may be a little graphic for some listeners. It's something that caught my attention from Dr. Robert Malone when he was talking to Joe Rogan. He talked about a time he met with a whole group of rabbis and the rabbis understand women's menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. And the reason they understand that is because of different traditions in Judaism with regard to childbearing and things like that. It's a very complicated thing. You don't want to know about it, not going into it. But basically, <laughs> these guys saw that there were starting to be problems. Mm -hmm. Malone acknowledged there were problems. And now what are we seeing? Oh, yeah, this may be a side effect of the thing. This may be a side effect of the vaccine. And we're seeing the issues with miscarriages and everything else. Don't you think somebody should have been ringing the alarms on that? And now you're talking about the Omicron vaccine, vaccine, which had no human trials whatsoever. And they're out there pushing this thing, saying, take it, take it, take it. Now, where a lot of parents drew the line, like myself, was you can do whatever you want to me, but you're not doing it to my kids. So yeah. with regard to my teenage kids, two of them wanted to get the vaccine because they want to go to camp with their friends. And I'm like, guys, just realize this is your thing. You make the decision. And probably that was a bad move on my part. That was probably a bad move. I should have said, you know what, stay home another summer or two. But their social lives were such a wreck. And I uh -huh. saw the fire going out of their eyes from not being around their friends and everything. I'm like, just send them. If they want to go, just send them because of the school closures and everything else. My daughter, on the other hand, I'm like, I'm not messing with this. And it was funny because it was actually a fight between me and my wife, you know, a whole thing. And she ended up getting COVID the day she was supposed to go get the vaccine. So she couldn't <laughs> go get the vaccine. And we are not giving it to her now. Like we are united, mm -hmm. is not getting the sucker because of all these other problems we've seen. And then we ignore things like how the CDC randomly changed the, the, the benchmarks for when kids are supposed to speak because of all the masking and how they were doing this. Oh, you want to have speech therapy? Well, you got to do it in masks. I wrote a story on this for the post-millennial actually, that they were requiring this of one specific family here in Seattle, all of these families in Seattle, but this one specific family decides to make an issue of it. And the kid wasn't getting the therapy they needed and the city refused. How can you get speech therapy and you can't take the masks off? These kids were speaking at a lesser and lesser rate. All of these other problems that were caused, forget the businesses going out of business, forget the people losing their livelihoods, which led to the substance abuse, which led to the depression, suicide, anxiety, learning loss, all that. These were basic things right there in front of our eyes. And we chose to ignore it. We chose to ignore it. And now you start seeing a slight narrative shift. And this is fascinating. So Donald Trump did Operation Warp Speed, got this thing mm -hmm. in production, right? I've started seeing articles from the mainstream media blaming Operation Warp Speed for this. But that means you're acknowledging that Trump gave us the vaccine. But you guys claim it was Joe Biden who rolled out the vaccine. And their heads are going to explode. And you start seeing they can't cover up their own mess anymore. It's out there for the world to see. So they just ignore it, push it to the side, and they don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, there was an article a couple 
maybe last week or two weeks ago that was saying the Trump administration pressured the FDA into granting the emergency use authorization. And the second I saw that, I was like, oh, something's coming out. Mm-hmm. They're they're trying to get ahead of something here. And then shortly thereafter, the National Health Service over in the UK, they changed their website to say that pregnant and nursing women should not get the vaccine. But it had said that, that they should up until August. Yeah. Yeah. And they, there was a story here that I did for the post millennial lineup for my show where there was a story of a firefighter and his wife. And they were trying to get pregnant and she wouldn't get the vaccine. And they both got fired because of it. And they said, oh, it's perfectly safe. And now we're knowing we are finding out that it definitely was not. And they forged ahead with it. How many people got fired for things like that? I mean, the lawsuits that are out there, it reminds me, and I don't know the accuracy of this, but I used to hear stories from my parents and grandparents about what they would do with the sailors who were on ships after World War II, after they had nuclear weapons. And they would basically park these ships to test radiation levels after they would set off these explosions. And what? Oh, we're just going to close a hatch and hope that radiation doesn't get to and hope that we're okay? These ships weren't set up for that. So the government's never going to say, oh, yeah, we did this. And yeah, you know, there might mm-hmm. be some side effects because of it. Now the whole world knows what the government did. So of course they're not going to talk about this. They're just going to scrub the websites and censor anybody they need to going forward. That's just going to be the new mantra. Because, you know, you see really quickly, Democrat Party is trying to pivot away from COVID as much as possible, because anytime they bring up COVID, they lose points with regard to the polls. Anytime we bring up January 6th or we bring up election fraud, that, of course, you know, that hurts the Republican Party. But finally, it seems like the Democrats have worked it out that they can't mention COVID anymore. And you see that big narrative push. So I don't think anybody's ever going to be held responsible for any of this. I think they're just going to keep pushing past it. They never are. I mean, they, they do stuff all the time. They never seem to be held responsible for it. I mean, uh, the the pregnancy story is interesting. I didn't realize that. Is this the UK that that changed their guidance? Mm-hmm. You said? Yep. I didn't realize that. So my we have a one year old, uh, almost one year old child, and so my wife was pregnant during COVID, and uh, but she's also Chinese, and she had been working. She had to fly back and forth a few times uh, to get some business stuff done before we had a baby, and so. Uh, she spent part of her pregnancy in China where the doctors said, do not take the vaccine. Uh, it, do not take it. Uh, it's not for pregnant women. Don't take it. And we came back here, and I remember we went to, we went to our doctor, and uh, the, the doctor was got into like an, an argument, like a heated argument with us about she has to take the vaccine. It's perfectly safe for pregnant women. You don't know anything. We're experts, blah, 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 blah. And so uh, we tr- I tried to play the racist card because I thought in the Bay Area, they'll be, <laughs> they'll be sensitive. And I was like, are you saying that the Chinese doctors are wrong? And like, <laughs> like are, are they wrong because they're Chinese? <laughs> and, and, like she kind of backed off a little bit, but she was really adamant and angry that my wife and my wife didn't uh, take the vaccine. But um, how many people were browbeaten into doing that? And are we going to discover that there are issues later? I mean, we we know for certain there couldn't have been long term studies. So what are, we don't know what we're going to find. And when I look at the covid stuff. I don't, you know, I've, I've, I remember the Rogan interview with Malone and 
I'm not I'm not a scientist. I don't know how to weigh all of the you know, when Malone says something and someone counters him or whatever, I don't I'm not sure how to weigh all of that. But what I am sure of, and I think everyone can be sure of as a layperson, is when one side says the other side's not allowed to talk, uh, you immediately lose all credibility. That's not how science works. The people not willing to have a discussion, an open discussion with someone like Malone, lose credibility. So, yeah. How do we talk uh, about uh, Columbus? How do we talk about Magellan? How do we talk about Galileo? How do we talk about all these guys that said, oh, yeah, we're going to challenge the fact that the world is flat or that, you know, we're rotating around the sun or any of these other things. We always talk about how dare they censor these guys. And we're literally dealing with the modern day version of it. And how many people went along with this garbage? That's that's what we're dealing with all the time. And I don't know about you guys, but I got a lot of liberal friends and my liberal friends that were the we're all going to die crew. And, you know, we can't have you over at our house. And if you are coming over, you're going to stay on our front lawn and we're going to sit up here on the stoop and all that. They are done with this. They are so Uh done with this. And they feel like they've been had because they were the true believers. And really, the only true believers that are left are the people who drive around in their cars alone wearing masks. I mean, we've all seen that and we've all shamed them. We've we've seen that before. (laughs) You know, the branch COVIDians, uh, as I call them on my show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're never going to admit what they did. And even though the evidence has been presented of what they did, especially with regards to nursing homes and everything else, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hold these guys accountable because imagine the the complete fallout, the waterfall of lawsuits and everything else that comes out against these guys. And really, it just seems like it's all about the money. What Joe Biden the other day says, oh, we beat big pharma. What are you what are you talking about? Big pharma. You guys are the mandating that we be big pharma. Yeah. I mean, you're the ones who want to open harm reduction sites, which means they're going to be buying needles and buying naloxone and buying all that stuff. You guys are the ones talking about buying the COVID vaccine and now, oh, with the Omicron vaccine. But you beat big pharma. Well done. It's insane. We mandated their products be purchased. Yeah. But you <laughs> and we purchased them ourselves. Right. But you beat them. Victory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I just want to point out one other. Um, you didn't say this explicitly, but but I think we're going to see uh, the results of this, and I think we have been. A lot of people that had potentially chronic conditions or potentially developing health problems did not go to the doctor either because they were afraid or couldn't go because a lot of uh, medical institutions were basically postponing anything that wasn't COVID related, and I think we're going to see a lot of death as a result um, of that kind of thing. And and I, I guess the other thing I'll say is I, I think it's not just, it's not just the people who made these decisions that need to be held accountable. Uh, when you look at, let's look at the mainstream media's treatment of um, potential mitigating prophylactic uh, treatment options, right? I won't even say what they are on the show, but like, potentially mitigating prophylactic treatment options, which as it turns out might actually potentially be useful. Um, They, with no side effect, like very little downside, right? Think about how many people they killed by saying, don't do this thing that really has no downside. I mean, you could you could take these things. These are drugs that have been around for decades, some of them, and well, well tested. We know that you're not you're not going to die taking this stuff. Um, so, hey, 
maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. But does it really matter? Like, try it. It can't make your life worse. It might actually help. We don't know. It's very new. And all, and they emphatically said, do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. And I, I assume they convinced at least tens of thousands of people to, who ended up dying it's not to try that. anything. It's worse than that. It's not just that they convinced people. It's that they denied them the treatments. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. had a friend, just like the kind of person you're saying, pre-existing conditions, a lot of issues, a lot of health issues, elderly. And she contracted COVID and she was in the hospital dying. And her family was like, give her this. Get, we'll try anything. Just give her anything. And right. they denied her every single treatment they asked for. And now what you're starting to see, these things get updated on the CDC website. I think I saw Ivermectin there the other day. I think I saw it. I, I, right? That you start seeing all these things up on these websites. And I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? Are these really now up there? All these things that you guys were saying the whole time, oh, Joe Rogan's lying and everything else. How many people did they deny treatments to? But I think about me. I think that, you know, we talk about these wildfires that are happening around here. I got bronchitis. I got bronchiolitis a a few years ago when this happened because I was working outside a lot. And last year or was it the year before when COVID was really in full pitch? It was was 2020. So in 2020, it was in full pitch. And I called my doctor's office. I'm like, I got to come in. You know, my breathing's killing me. And they go, sorry, we're only doing virtual appointments. Well, how are you going to measure for anything? I'll just prescribe you whatever I want. And now you're worried about why people are overprescribed drugs because they would just sign away whatever it is. Oh, here, I'm going to email you this and take it to the drugstore and take this and hopefully you'll be okay. They didn't listen to your chest, nothing, because they weren't having you in the doctor's office. It happened to me. It happened to other people I know. And nobody's being held accountable for any of that. Oh, you can riot in the streets, but you can't go to the doctor's office, right? You can burn down half the country in fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. You can take over six blocks of Seattle, but you can't go to the doctor's office. You can't go to the funeral for the person that they deny treatment to. You can't go to weddings. You can't go to bar mitzvahs. You can't have any of this kind of stuff, but you can ride in the streets because, you know, racism is a pandemic. Those were po- those were um, mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful, <laughs> mostly peaceful riot. Yeah. Mostly it wasn't people. like it was an insurrection or anything. Those were just mostly peaceful protests. Right. Run by an organization that definitely did not have on their website that they want to, you know, remove America and overtake, you know, <laughs> capitalism or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like it's not like someone declared an autonomous zone free of government in right. any major city or anything. No, and had signs on it that said you are now leaving the United States of America. That never happened. It's not right. like with their were... own weapons and police right. force. Right. Yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, by the way, just side point. I know we're not talking about guns today, but anytime somebody <laughs> brings up, well, Ari, why would you need, you know, an AR-15? I go, because the psychopaths who took over six blocks of my city had AR-15s or were blocking the whole thing. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. what are the odds of that happening again? I said, again? I can't believe you say that actually happened the first time, right? So, and by the way, that is your winning argument. Anytime there is a gun control debate, just say, took over six blocks of Seattle. Nobody did anything about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, although, uh, you know, you all of this stuff is kind of reminding me of a a general fallacy that I think is starting to crack. That's been, that's been I think, conservative has accepted it for a while. And I think a lot of mainstream people accepted it for a while. And this is this conflation between um, America as an ideal and as a concept and the current instantiation of the government and the bureaucracy uh, that's in Washington and extends from Washington. And it used to be that uh, if you if you said you were pro-America or you said you were patriotic or you flew the flag, there was an implication that you supported the current instance of 
of the government as well. And yeah, they might make some mistakes, but it's America. And I think you're starting to see people realize, wait a minute, that swamp in D.C. is anti-American, actually. And it's the ideals that I love. When I wave the flag, it's the ideals of America that I love, not the FBI. And those are two very different things. Yeah. And you're actually seeing that is that the people who want to kneel for the anthem and the people who want to kneel to BLM or whatever it is, they don't believe in those ideals. They believe in who's going to get me elected. They believe in who's right. going to give me money, who's going to give me campaign donations or whatever the case may be. They don't believe in those ideals that we all value. I mean, I got the American flag out on my house, but, you know, I also have the Israeli flag out on my house for the Jewish stuff. And today I also have the New York Mets flag. And actually, I'm taking down my New York Mets flag because I'm putting up one for the firefighters today. My house looks like the U.N. out front. So um, the... The thing you might have just doxxed yourself, by the way. But that's <laughs> oh, cool. dude, it, it's already been out there. When I got death threats a few years ago and the FBI showed up at my house, like people were actually saying, oh, yeah, it's the house with the flags. People know which one's mine. I, I'm pretty easy <laughs> to right. find. And the, the, you're 100% right. It's the ideals thing. You know, mm-hmm. my grandfather was a pretty hardcore Democrat. But at his house, we always flew the flag. And he served in the Navy and he worked for, you know, multiple government agencies. And that's what he did his whole life because he believed in it. And, you know, we were passing the anniversary of 9-11, the 21st anniversary. And when I called him on 9-11, he said he was crying and he said, I fought to keep this country safe. And who's going to keep this country safe now? And those are the ideals. We, We have lost something there where so many Democrats feel like they've been abandoned by their own party and they feel like, who should I vote for now? None of these people line up with me, but I can't vote Republican. I just I just can't do it. But I'm not going to stay home because I've talked about years about how voting was so important. And I think it's really, really hard having that conversation because we've been told you can't have the conversation. We've been told that talking about religion, politics and sports and sales settings is bad. You can't do that. I remember when I was I was a bartender back in the day, just like AOC, you know, similar career paths. I was a bartender, worked my way through college. And uh, they Wait, would but always... do you know as much about economics as she's like? <laughs> well, I actually went to business school, so I probably know more. But <laughs> so, uh, with regard to with regard to that, they would always say in training for this, because you take the two week course, at, you know, whatever nearby college they have. Never talk about sports, politics or religion. I always talked about sports, politics and religion. And I had more tips than anybody else because people want to talk. They come <laughs> and they want to talk, especially if they're drinking alone. They want to talk. And and telling everybody that it's rude to discuss politics. I discuss politics with some of my best friends. Some of my best friends are liberals. We go, one of them's a Yankee fan. And the two of us go to baseball games together. And we would sit there and just make fun of each other nonstop. He goes, oh yeah, Trump love and whatever. And I go, oh yeah, socialist, communist. And, you know, we both agree that we both hate the Mariners when we go to the Mariners to watch them play weather. But <laughs> it's, it's just, we have been told that you can't have these conversations anymore. And why are we told that? Because they don't want to talk about it. They don't actually want to have it. And I think the GOP is making a massive mistake. I haven't seen a contract with America. I haven't seen anything that says this differentiates us from them. You elect us. This Mm. is what we're going to stand for because the GOP is also afraid of pissing off anybody. Oh my God. Do we have to include abortion in this? Oh, do we have to include gun control in this? Do we have to include anything in this? They're petrified of that. And I haven't seen anything real about it. And they are giving up the best possible opportunity. And that's why Joe Biden can stand in front of his red backdrop with his fist raised in the sky. And he can scream out whatever he wants because nobody's making the counter arguments. Nobody is. All the Republicans are doing is comparing him to Hitler or comparing him to the emperor in Star Wars or comparing him to whatever else they want. And they're not actually saying, well, we stand for this. 
I could make a contract with America in five minutes right now. And I bet you would have bipartisan support of anybody who still has common sense and is normal, but they don't want to do it. And you got to ask yourselves why. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Tulsi, there was a, an article in um, post-millennial actually uh, covering Tulsi Gabbard's uh, she did like a monologue on Fox uh, recently where she talked about how the Biden administration is weaponizing federal agencies. And we've seen that before. Um, I think she she admitted, I don't think it's new, right? I mean, Lois Lerner uh, and the IRS uh, under Obama. And we've seen we've seen this before, but it's just getting worse. Um, and so someone like Tulsi is interesting, right? Because the Democrats don't want anything to do with her. Um, and, you know, when when you say like, well, you and your leftist friend can, well, your also liberal friend can 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 poke jabs at each other. One of the issues is uh, there's a larger and larger growing contingency of the left, many who of whom are in power, uh, who actually can't do that anymore. Um, and the Republicans, or they won't do it anymore. They they don't believe in listening to the other side and having open dialogue. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was the ACLU that it was about. They were all about First Amendment and freedom of speech, and you can say whatever you want and do whatever you want. And that was that was the ACLU. And now you can't say anything if it's offensive. You can't talk about these things. You have to censor that. So they've become the censor Nazis. Um, and the Republicans, in my view, have never really ever taken a a principled stance. They've constantly compromised and compromised and compromised. They avoid issues that they're worried are controversial, which is a position of weakness to do, instead of just saying, yeah, you might not agree with me, but this is the principle that we stand for. This is what it, this is what it means. Um, these are the principles that we stand for, and not everyone's going to agree, but we're going to stand for these principles. They don't do that generally. They, they typically say, well, we concede the moral high ground, but we should do less of it and we should move more slowly in the direction of the left. Uh, and I think a lot of people, those independents that you're talking about or, or Democrats who are disenfranchised, they're starting to look at this as a uniparty. And that's the, a word that Tulsi Gabbard used on Fox, which I'm super glad she did. She referred to this as a uniparty. And I think a lot of people are looking at this. They're not, it's not the, it's not the Trump supporters that are necessarily a member of that uniparty party those are the outsiders who are the rabble rousers right but the the people in power at the gop and a lot of the the old school republicans are part of the same you know i don't i hate i hesitate to use the word deep state because it sounds conspiratorial but they're part of this big deep state they're part of this big bureaucratic state that that you know they don't want trump in power any more than nancy pelosi does because they don't want this thing dismantled Right. And, you know, that monologue you mentioned, I'm pretty sure it's the one when Tulsi Gabbard was filling in for Tucker Carlson. Now, let's yes. look at that for, for a minute. You have the number one rated conservative talk show host in the country by far. And when he goes on vacation, he says, hey, Democrat, come here and fill in for my show. And I'm not threatened by that at all. That was that's right. an amazing thing. Would that happen on MSNBC? Would and would Rachel Maddow say to Tucker Carlson, hey, come and fill in for my show. I'm going on vacation for a few days. And, you know, we're laughing about it, but that's exactly the problem. What happened to Crossfire on CNN? Crossfire mm. used to have a conservative host and he used to have mm. a liberal host and they would just go at it and go at it. What happened to that? On my show every single week, I have a woman from Newsweek on and we battle the issues every single week and we end up finding a place where we compromise every single week. And people tell me that is the favorite segment. They love that segment. And that's why I got a lot of Democrats who listen to my show. 
And we don't have that anymore. We have this fear yep. of engaging. Why is it that when I reach out to a Democrat's office, they will never come on my show? They will never be interviewed for an article ever, ever. I can count on one hand in the two years I've been on the air, the number that have actually said yes on one hand. OK, and I'm not that scary guy. In fact, anytime I have one of them on, I usually say something to the effect of now, will you go tell your friends I'm not that scary. Right. You know, have them on my show because I want to have those conversations. Even if I'm wrong, I'm not afraid of being wrong. But we have lost that ability to have those conversations. Now, let's look at what happened with Liz Cheney. This is a perfect example of the Uniparty. You got her dad out there going, oh, Trump's a threat to democracy and everything else. I couldn't tell the difference between second term Bush and and Cheney and any Democrat presidency. First term, different story, 9-11, all that. And I voted for him the second time going, yes, America. And that's not what we got. We got something very, very different. And when Trump came into office, you know, he said he was going to drain the swamp and he really failed, especially with his own White House. People think, oh, yep. you come in the White House and you restaff the whole place. No, you don't. There's people who've been there for decades. And those were the source of the leaks because they it's not the deep state thing. They're just bureaucr bureaucrats. They work there mm -hmm. and, and they want to feel relevant and they want to feel important. So they leak something to a reporter or they think he's a threat to democracy or whatever. He didn't drain his own White House. He didn't drain the swamp right. at all. And that was his biggest mistake was that you didn't clean up any of that. And it actually probably cost him a whole bunch of brownie points along the way, cost him his approval rating. And he didn't help matters with his tweets. I know some people love him for it and people love him for that. But whenever I would watch the guy give the State of the Union address, I would go, this is the guy I want to see all the time. Mm -hmm. And the guy who had the attitude and had that New York, that New York, I get grit and moxie, to use that, that term. And we never really saw it aside from State of the Union and one or two other times. And that's what I was really hoping for. And it probably cost him the election. Forget all yep. the voter fraud stuff and all that. I mean, here, I'm giving you like 30,000 reasons. This is about to be censored on your YouTube channel. <laughs> you know, people, people talk about voter fraud. And I say all the time, Ballot harvesting is legal in Washington state. It's legal. So if it's legal in Washington state, what other shenanigans went on that were legal? Stop calling it voter fraud and say, here's the stuff that's legal. In Wisconsin, the Democrat Party fought to keep the Green Party off the ballot because they knew that if the Green Party was on the ballot, that would eliminate some votes for them and then they'd lose again. That's what happened the first time. So much of this stuff has been legalized. It's part of this bureaucratic institution to maintain the status quo where the elites make the money, the elites have the power, and the rest of us little peons have to deal with whatever they do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh -huh. I I'm I'm a big fan of of not I mean, I'll say the same thing about the uh election fraud claims that I said about the COVID stuff. There's you lose some legitimacy when you say you can't have the discussion about it. So that that statement stands. But I don't think we need to have a conversation about whether there was legal or illegal activity. All we need to do is, in my book, all we need to do is look at how the the big tech treated the Hunter Biden laptop story to see how influential uh, large corporations, sometimes with the FBI whispering in their ear, how influential they were in affecting voting patterns. And that to me makes the election unfair, regardless of whether anything illicit or illegal happened. It was clearly not fair in the sense of the, the people that control the information that present both parties to us uh, were biased. And like, not just a little biased like they were during my entire life, but so massively biased that 
they were willing to suppress him. And you saw the Sam Harris interview uh, probably, right? He's, he literally said Hunter Biden could have dead children in his basement and that would be okay. It still needed to be suppressed because Trump is worse. I mean, it was so – the level of hysteria was so crazy that – you, I mean, I think we're probably only aware of a very little bit. We're only scratching the surface of the efforts that these people took to uh, sway the opinion, the public opinion. And so uh, to me, that's it might not that might not be election fraud. But what it is, is the the elites swaying the election their way. It's absolutely that. Oh, 100%. I mean, the biggest uh -huh. campaign donation that Democrats ever get is from the Democrat media. That is the biggest donation they ever, ever get. I mean, I ran for office. I ran for Seattle City Council. And even though I had great national PR, local PR, oh, my God. Those guys came gunning for me with everything they had. And then some national outlets came gunning for me. I remember this one. This was a good one. When I was covering the autonomous zone in Seattle. Politico ran a piece about how I didn't know what I was talking about because I didn't live inside the autonomous zone. I'm like, number one, I live in Seattle. Let's do that. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't live in those six square blocks. But number two, does Bill Malugin, who lives down on the, uh, does he live down on the border with the migrants coming across every day when he's covering that right. story? When these guys are covering any war, do they live in Afghanistan? No, they're over there as the correspondents. And so that was the most ridiculous. That's the best you can come up with. And the Hunter Biden laptop story, we saw the polling afterwards. What, 17 to 18% of Democrats said they wouldn't have voted for Biden? They wouldn't have voted for Biden if they had known the Hunter Biden laptop? That's why they censored it. And how many right. times, no matter what Trump did, Trump woke up and went to the bathroom this morning. Oh, he dripped a little bit on the floor. Approval rating goes down five points. I mean, no right. matter what the guy did, they were all over him. And they gave Biden a pass on everything. Joe Biden, literally, all he had to do was sit in his basement and really try not to say anything racist. And the guy can win the election because <laughs> he, they're going to really succeed at that either. But. Right. No, he really didn't. I mean, how many of those clips went viral? But then if you say them, it's missing context, right? You put uh, it up right, on yeah. social media. Always <laughs> yeah. missing context. Oh, please. I mean, the amount of times I've been hit with one of those missing context things, it's, it's absurd at this point. It's almost comical. But at the same time, these guys are for sure, they are no longer the town hall, the town square, whatever you want to call them. They are publishers. They are controlling content. Mm -hmm. So yep. why did they get a free pass? Because the Democrats have learned how to weaponize them. And the Republicans never follow through on their threats of we're going to take this stuff away. I mean, look at the Tea Party. So right now they keep talking about a red wave, a red tsunami. First of all, I'm not sure we're actually going to see it. I'm really not. And I'm getting more and more concerned every day that we may not. But number two is, remember the Tea Party came in, said they were going to get rid of Obamacare, all that stuff. Yeah, I still lost my doctor, lost my plan, lost my everything, still paying like quadruple what I was paying before. They didn't do anything they promised they were going to do. And that gets back to your uniparty or Tulsi Gabbard's idea of a uniparty is that, well, now I'm here and the perks are really nice and I can do all the stock trading I want. And Paul Pelosi has some tips for me. And even though I'm a Republican, I'm going to go along with them. It's it's all this elitist garbage where they feel yeah. like they can do whatever they want. And we keep letting them get away with it because we treat this like a baseball team. Oh, my team's the Republicans. Oh, my team's the Democrats. I have to root for my team, even if they totally screw the fans all the time. And that's what keeps happening. They keep screwing the fans and we keep going, well, this is who I vote for and I'm going to keep voting that way. And then we're surprised. Oh, they betrayed me. How could they betray me? But I'm going to defend them against those guys because those guys are worse.
And the yeah. cycle just keeps repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself. And so I think the average American is just going to look at the midterms and go, what's the difference? Do I really even care? Do I really even care? And I'm concerned that a lot of that is going to, especially with the Republicans not coming out with anything they stand for at all, at least something they can lie to us and run on. Um, I really think that's going to be detrimental to them. I, I come come 2022. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I really think that's what's going to happen. And even if I am wrong and the Republicans run the table, then what? Then what? They still got Joe Biden in the Oval Office. What? So we're going to have them doing investigations night and day. So the Republicans are going to be labeled the party of no by the mainstream media. They're going to be labeled the party of investigations. They're going to completely ignore the fact that they had the January 6th hearings for how long trying to alter an election. Oh, Republicans are running hearings into COVID and, and riots and, every, and they're evil and they're wrong. And then and then you're at 2024 before you know it. And then yeah. what happens then? Yeah. Do you think that the I, I hesitate to call it a movement, but there's definitely an outsider perspective here. There's there's more and more people waking up to this uniparty idea, and many of them were interested in Trump, at least, if not Trump supporters, precisely for that reason. Do you think that there is going to be any lasting changes to the Republican Party, or do you think it's going to if, if it goes back to business as usual? Um, what happens to all those disenfranchised people? I'm a little concerned about that, actually. Um, there was a woman who actually I've had on my show a few times who was on Megyn Kelly's show. And she was talking about January 6th. And she, Megyn Kelly asked her something to the effect of, well, who would you vote for for president next time? Any member of Trump's family. Okay. All right. And then they start asking her. And Megyn Kelly started diving down deep on this interview with this woman to find out this woman knew nothing about civics. Nothing at all. Actually thought Pence had the ability to overturn the election. All that. Wow, so you okay. have a whole bunch of people out there who really think that all the stuff we believe and we know is rhetoric or we know is whatever. There's really people out there who believe it. There's people out there who even with all the Donald Trump insanity and things like that will defend him. Let's say I think right now there's no truth to any of this nonsense about the classified documents or anything. I mean, what? They found the nuclear football hidden inside of Barron's Xbox? Come on. I mean, really, what? what is this nonsense? But I think that there are people out there who even if, and we're going the flip side of what, what What's-His-Face said on that podcast, if there were bodies found in his basement, they would believe it's a scam by the FBI. They would believe yes. he's being set up by it. Yes. Right. But you have that on both sides of the aisle. And this is something that's very scary, where it's a cult of personality. We are now led by social media influencers. I love Donald Trump. I think that his policy was fantastic. I think it was phenomenal. I mean, look, five peace deals in the Middle East in one year. Five peace deals in the Middle East. Who else has done that before? No Nobel Prize, nothing like that. Look at his economic policies. Look at his trade policies. Look at the amazing, are you better off under Biden or under Trump? You can ask any Democrat that, and they will begrudgingly say Trump. But it was worth it to get rid of him. But at the same time, you got to look at the people on both sides who are now obsessed with this social media culture. I mean, how does Marjorie Taylor Greene have the following she does? She is the rights version of AOC. And the left keeps okay. making her bigger. Or this maybe Maxine with, Waters, but yeah. Uh, yeah, or either way, whichever one it is. <laughs> you got Madison Cawthorn. Thank God that guy got primaried. But yep. on the other side, you got Ilhan Omar. And you got Rashida Tlaib. And it's about using the government or your position to get more followers. As opposed to your followers get you elected and whatever it is, and then you do policy. Can you name one policy any of the squad has actually supported that got passed? I can't I can't name any with their names on it. 
I can't even think about no. it. Oh, we support the Green New Deal, but this one wasn't enough for us. They object to all these things that keep getting passed. <laughs> right. Everything that keeps getting passed that's in their agenda, they object to saying it hasn't gone far enough. I can't think of anything they've actually supported. We have that problem on the right and left where we're more obsessed with how many likes, how many shares, how can we burn somebody? Oh, truth bomb, sake bomb, whatever. We're more obsessed with that than we are about the policies that are affecting our everyday life. And while we're paying attention to all this garbage on social media, look at what these guys say has now become news stories. Oh, so-and-so yep. tweets this. So-and-so put up a video. That's our news now. We are to blame for this because we're the ones who covet this garbage. Oh, look what they said. And we don't have yep. politicians anymore. We don't have elected officials. We don't have leaders. We have influencers. That's who's running our country right now. That's a really good point. Um, and it's, it's particularly scary because... Um, I think it pulls us closer to a raw democracy, which I'm terrified of, right? We're not, we're a type of democracy, mm -hmm. but very delineated and intentional with the constitutional Republic. And like it was, we're specifically designed to not be mob rule. Uh, but when you, when it turns into, well, there's mob rule on the internet and then the, the, the winners of that get to be in government, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, think about how many people are actually on social media. Okay. There's billions of people on Facebook or whatever it is. And there's millions of people on Twitter, assuming they're not bots, but the average person is not actually doing that. We do that because it's our jobs, but why should this be our jobs to cover what idiots say on social media? Why should we be doing this at all? And unfortunately, then that ends up in the newspapers. Then that ends up yep. on TV and the people who are on social media say that and assume that's guiding the conversation. Why is it that every idiot's inner monologue that ends up on social media is now news? Oh, so-and-so, I'm taking a massive dump. Oh, well, that gets 30,000 likes right there on Twitter. I mean, sorry for the crassness, but really that's, yeah, that's no. what we're talking about these days. So-and-so is gearing up for his game on Friday. This is what these idiots put out there, and we treat it like news, no matter what they say, because they tweet it. Donald Trump actually understood this. I think there was an interview with him once where he said uh, he said something to the effect of he would watch TV in the morning. If he didn't like the news story, he would tweet something that would change the news. I completely understood <laughs> all the guy had to do was tweet something out that would completely change the news. And that's the way these things work now. It's really scary. It's really horrifying because we're not actually talking about the issues anymore. And how many people have no clue? The guys who rioted on January 6th, Tucker Carlson did a deep dive into all of them. There are people with financial problems, not really any political affiliation, who want to steal Nancy Pelosi's lectern for the picture or the laptop or whatever it was. Right. That's what they wanted to do. I mean, this January 6th investigation, Tucker Carlson did it in one day on his show and told us who these people were. And we're treating this like this is some, you guys really want to investigate January 6th? How about we investigate riots as general, in general? I'd be all in favor of that. Mm -hmm. Was there a single conservative who supported the riots on January 6th? I remember everybody condemning what was happening. I remember everybody talking about how awful it was. It'd be one thing if the entire Republican Party said, yeah, burn down the building. That's not what you were seeing at all. People Even Trump said to go. Right. It's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they were saying, no, stop. This is awful. This is wrong. And I, I love when they keep dropping these text messages from Sean Hannity to Donald Trump saying, stop them, stop them, stop them. They're, they're <laughs> ruining your legacy. That's not a... That's what he should have been doing. That's exactly right. Yeah. You're only helping the argument. And yet claiming, oh, you know, these guys are responsible for the downfall of democracy and not holding any of the BLM rioters accountable. Six billion dollars in damage across the country. Dozens of deaths. How many businesses destroyed in minority communities? They don't want to talk about that. All they want to talk about is January 6th. January 6th was over in three hours. Mm -hmm. in three hours. And we had rioting from May 
through October here in Seattle. And in fact, we had yep. some on January 21st of 2021 when Joe Biden and Kamala yep. were sworn into office. Antifa was protesting them. And, and that no was just one year. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'm in the Bay Area. We have that stuff in 2016. I think it was 2016. We had the Battle of Berkeley with mm -hmm. like we have that kind of stuff all the time from the left. Uh -huh. It's from the left. Yeah. Um, by and large. Uh, but yeah, that was one thing that I, you know, Biden's uh, <laughs> Biden's fee for vendetta speech was uh, <laughs> it was it was funny to listen to him. Uh, to, you know, argue about how we don't riot and like that's not what we do, and we like we support law enforcement. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Where, <laughs> where were you? Can the you Republic imagine giving will that be reorganized into 2020? the Galactic Empire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just absolute insanity. But no one, no one cares. And I, I mean, and what I mean by that is the public doesn't seem to care. Like the news cycles fast. No one's going to look back. They, they are member. Everything goes down the memory hole. So no one's going to call them out and say, "Hey, you know, uh, CNN's never going to say, hey, uh, I was going to say Brian Stellar, but he's gone. Uh, <laughs> hey, whatever. I don't watch CNN. Hey, co-host person, Don Lemon. <laughs> hey, Don, what do you think? Uh, do you think? What do you think the reaction to the speech would have been in September of 2020, Don? Like no one has that conversation. No, um, they don't want to have that conversation. Yeah, uh, it, it's and you know about about Twitter and social media. I, on the one hand, it's true that it's not real life, and I I have to remind myself of that sometimes. And I think a lot of us do. Like, this isn't real life. Real life is is not online. It's not. It's off Twitter. Not everyone's on Twitter. Uh, but I think that the problem is most of the people in. Uh, management like upper management of many companies and most of the people in um elected officials and the, and their entourage they they are on twitter and they look at twitter as if it's the real world and that actually that means that the ideas on twitter or the mood on twitter the sentiment does then filter down so when when so let's take facebook for example i don't think zuckerberg's an ideologue uh, I think he's just a pragmatic business guy trying to do what he can get away with and whatever, right? But, you know, he probably has a meeting in his HR department, which is probably all woke women. Uh, he has a, has a meeting with his HR department and whomever else, and they he has his executive team, and they're all on Twitter. They're all in that news cycle. They are all whatever the sentiment is. That's what they think the sentiment of the country is. And so when they have to make policy decisions – they assume that, well, this is what we need to do for, this is what people want. We have to do this because this is the direction things are moving. When in fact, most people don't want any of that kind of crap, right? But they don't know. He doesn't know, I don't think. Well, let me ask you this. Do you guys use Facebook as your primary platform anymore? Right? I don't. No. And it's getting less and less relevant for me. Right. I almost never check the thing. And I mean, at this point, it's really who had a baby and who am I saying happy birthday to? That, that's really about what the whole thing's about. I don't even, I barely use it anymore. They are making themselves irrelevant with all this stuff. Yes. And whatever mm -hmm. their new algorithm is, nobody's seeing anything anymore. It's not just yep. from me. It's from lots of people. Nobody's seeing this. Are they trying to downplay politics in general? Because, hey, if it sells newspapers, it'll sell your website. What are you trying to get rid of here? Nobody's yep. talking about being on Facebook anymore. Nobody's really sharing stuff on Facebook anymore. And you don't really see in the headlines, oh, so-and-so posted to Facebook. It's all about posting to Twitter.
And even though we know that all these accounts are fake on there, look, I got seven Twitter accounts. I haven't used six of them in eight years. I mean, I open them for different right. businesses or whatever. Right. I never touch them. So yeah, I can, me, I'm responsible for however many of these alone. Yeah, there's tons of these accounts and we're letting it drive the news. We're letting yep. it drive our conversation. We're letting it shape our national conversation. It's not real. And we're not having the actual conversations we need to have. You know, we're having this conversation here, which is lovely. This is great. But you think CNN wants to have this conversation? Here's something fun for you. I applied for the job with CNN when they were fired Brian Stelter. I thought that would be really fun. So I, I I'm went sure your resume the, went to the top of the uh, list. Top, top of the file. Top of the I filled out yeah. an application for Warner Entertainment. And I said, hey, I would love to run a show on there. And I actually sent them. There's like a, a section where you fill out something. And I said, I think you could have a great lineup if you had me a conservative and you had somebody else who's a moderate and had somebody else as a liberal. I think it could be something really special, especially if you had debate type format. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> I, haven't heard back. I, I still get the spam emails from Warner Entertainment of there's jobs that might fit your profile. And they're all like tech. I'm like, I don't do tech. I don't know anything about this stuff. But um, they don't want to actually consider something like that. And yeah, I may not be a big name as somebody else on the right, and they may actually listen to their resume, but at the same time, they don't even want to think about that. Basically, what they're right. saying is they want to try and get back to just being news. Well, you've lost your entire audience. You've lost all the people who thought of you as the most trusted name in news. It's not the Gulf War time anymore. And I don't think you can get back to it. You know, there's a lesson from the Berenstein Bears. Trust, once broken, is a very hard thing to get back, right? <laughs> yes. And it's, why would we believe any of these lunatics? Why would right. we? I mean, the other day I was on my I was on my show and I was trying to see how they were covering, you know, the crime and other things that were happening. But all anybody wants to talk about was the queen. Right. And on the MSNBC website, it was queen, 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 Trump, bad, Trump, yep. bad, Trump, bad, Trump, bad. And on CNN, it was just the queen everywhere. And on Fox News, it was queen, 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 drag queen, bad, Trump, good, Trump, good, Trump, good. I mean, it's just we, we don't seem to really be wanting to have the conversations anymore about what's going on in our country. We don't want to be talking about the economics. Remember how they covered up what a recession was? Oh, you know, we're not going to say what a recession is anymore. We're just going to hide that. And so we've been on the rug because we don't want to admit we're actually in one. And then it was, oh, well, we're not really in one because the jobs are looking good. And then when the jobs start pummeling, oh, we're still not in a recession. We, we don't want to talk about that. It's all distraction. Everything now is the White House press room. And even when you have yeah. somebody as terrible as Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's the worst press secretary in my lifetime, Nobody wants yeah, to she's call bad. out. Ooh. Right. She is she is really bad. Really, really bad. <laughs> really bad. And, I mean, it's a lot of fun and entertainment for me. So I hope she keeps the job forever. I hope she keeps the job in the Republican administration because this is she's just fun yeah. to watch. But I mean, it's that is what Twitter is these days. Everybody giving their own spin. And nobody's having the conversations because you can put out your inner monologue and nobody has to worry about social cues anymore. You can insult whoever you want. Twitter is about slam dunking on your opponent. Yeah. That's what it's about. And nobody has these conversations anymore. And now everybody thinks it's rude. And when's the last time you spoke to your neighbor? Oh, we're not allowed to talk to our neighbor because we might kill him with COVID. Right. I, it, it's just, it's, it's done. They've done everything they possibly can to get us to be, to not be unified. They want yeah. all that gone. They don't want us to be unified. And Joe Biden's speech was just the, you know, the cherry on top of the crap Sunday that has become this disunity of our country where they don't want us to be together because if we're together, we're going to realize it's us versus them. It's right. all of us little people versus the elites. And there's a lot more of us than there are of them. And they don't want to yeah. think about that. That's exactly what they're scared about. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I think another reason that they like the 
online conversations is um, it's and this is a real this is a very new development in the history of of mankind. Uh, any conversation that's online, like the three of us are having this conversation now, right? But there's a third party, well, in our case, a fourth party involved. And when two people talk, if I go to my neighbor next door, she and I can talk about whatever we want. And there's no one else there. There's no one to say, Carter, sit down and shut up. You can't say those things. There's no one to say, uh, you know, you have to sit in a timeout. You can't talk to your neighbor for another two weeks because uh, you said a bad thing. There's no one to say, you know, well, this is context. Blah, blah. Like there's no one moderating that conversation. It's just me and my neighbor. Um, but online, there's a third party involved. There's a moderator between every single conversation that happens online, whether that moderator is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or whatever, there's someone paying attention to that conversation and policing what kind of conversation is appropriate to have. And that is uh, Orwellian in a well, I think, I mean, it's beyond what Orwell even imagined, right? I mean, there's, there's the, it's, well, it's kind of big brotherish. I guess he did imagine it in that, in that sense. Right. So, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that they like, uh, they like the, the, the big tech because all you have to do, if you're the FBI, you can't police the conversation between me and my neighbor very easily if it's outside, you know, at the border of our properties. But if there's only a handful, if it's, yeah, well, look, we'll assign a team to Google, Facebook, and Twitter. What else do we need? That That's most, you know, if we want to throw in some, you know, dinosaur outlets like CNN, we can do that, although they're already on their side, so there's not really an issue. Uh, you can... You can really control conversation in a way that you can't without tech. Well, think about it this way. You haven't heard about the Fairness Doctrine in a while, have you? The Fairness Doctrine, <laughs> which is supposed to censor talk radio, which is supposed to censor all these media outlets. Why have we not heard it? Because it's yep. in action right now. It's okay. in action. You know, as soon as they all say, oh, we're censoring the president of the United States, but the Ayatollah of Iran can keep all his accounts. Yes. And that happens. What do you need the Fairness Doctrine for? You should wonder why they haven't brought that up in forever because they have exactly what they want. Sure, they would love to not have me on air. Sure, they would love to have you guys not on air. Sure, they would love to have not have Tucker Carlson on air. But at the same time, they're getting what they want through social media. They're getting exactly what they want, which is why you haven't heard about the Fairness Doctrine in forever. You haven't heard about this, oh, we need to shut down talk radio. Why? Because they know how many people are on social media. And I, I even think about my kids. This is their new normal. This is how they interact with their friends. They don't hang out with their friends. They hang out on social media. Yep. You know, they could all be sitting in a room together and event mm -hmm. for the synagogue or whatever. And they're all texting. Who the hell are you texting? The people are right there in front of you. <laughs> you know, I don't know how old you guys are, but back in my day, you know, we hung out in each other's basements and did things we probably shouldn't have done, but that was our social scene, right? Sure. And this, this whole thing with the cell phones and with the technology that is there, they have their entire social life in their pockets. They don't need to go anywhere for it. And also as yep. parents, I mean, sure, we all have the parental safety blocks. Any kid can get around that garbage. Oh, yeah. Right, exactly. Like, what, they need me for that? Yeah, these kids could hack <laughs> in the NSA if they want to, probably. So <laughs> they, they, you don't hear as a parent, you don't hear the conversations they're having anymore. You don't know what they're mm -hmm. saying. I mean, occasionally I hear them because one day out of the week, we keep the Sabbath and we can't use electronics or anything like that. So they're talking to their friends at synagogue or whatever. I'm like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> you know, like you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but I, get, I get one day a week where I can do that. One day, 24 hours a week. How many parents don't even get that? And yeah. that's where we're at these days. We're raising the next generation to do this. And I, I joke all the time. Thank God I never had to date in this environment. 
Can you imagine it? I mean, everything online is fake. Everything is fake. Oh, I took the profile. I've been practicing my smile that if I smile at this angle just the right way, then I don't have the triple chins here. And and it's all fake. It's all fake. You only put the good news out there about yourself. You don't learn the other stuff. And that that's what you get from hanging out with a person, from talking with a person. That's all gone. You don't, I know so many couples that are, he's a Republican and she's a Democrat or vice versa or whatever it is. Are we going to have that anymore? No, everybody's just going to be in their own echo chamber. You can select the news you want to see. You can select the conversations you want to have. And now if you hear something wrong, you're triggered. Oh my God, I'm triggered. I can't survive because somebody challenged my argument. I have to go to therapy. I'm having PTSD because somebody called me a name on whatever it is. It's it's a screwed up culture, which we are creating now. And I don't really think there's a way to stop it. I really don't. I think really the only way to stop it is to ignore it. But if it sells newspapers or, you know, gets you TV ratings or whatever the case may be, people are going to keep doing it. And I really don't like the direction we're heading in. I'm not going to say social media is causing the downfall of civilization, but the lack of conversations, of real interactions, of talking with each other, and especially talking with people you disagree with, I don't want to send my kids to college right now. I don't want to send my kids to college right now because they, they're they going to have these conversations with people they disagree with and they'll be yelled at for having their opinion. Oh, right. Not, oh, they're going there and going to hear an idea I don't support. I heard plenty of things I didn't agree with in college, but I was able to have those conversations. But here they're being told, you can't say that. That's hate speech. You can't go in this building because this is only for people of color. I, where are we with the drinking fountains these days? I haven't checked. <laughs> I mean, really, that's that's the road we're heading down, where they're being told your opinion is wrong and you're not allowed to voice it. That's a scary, scary place. That's some of the worst parts of our history. And we're seeing it come right back in the United States of America. Yep. Yeah. It scares me as well, and I don't, I don't know that... Uh... I don't know that it's stoppable except through cultural changes. And I don't know because you can't stop the tech, right? You're not going to stop the development of the technology and, and the advancement of technology. And uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I have heard a few. I don't know how old your kids are exactly, uh, but I I have heard a few stories of my daughter. My daughter's uh, my oldest is 13 and she'll say like. They mock each other at like they'll call each other uh racist or transphobic for fun, like just because mm -hmm. it's funny. They kind of recognize the ridiculousness of some of this. They're young enough now because they they kind of grew up they grew up in this and they're seeing some of this insanity. And they're, it's just like they they don't take the outrage as seriously. Like we, we look at the outrage and say, What's wrong with these crazy people in college getting all upset about, you know not calling them dragon kin or whatever their preferred stuff is right they just think it's funny generally they're, they're starting to be a movement of it's like this is just funny i'm gonna call you a racist because it's funny because it doesn't mean anything uh -huh. well it's funny until it's not so in my house i got a i got an 18 year old i got a 15 year old and i got an 11 year old a 12 year old and you know i go oh look at that black car isn't that amazing and they go dad that's racist all cars matter you know, they'll like throw, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like an ongoing yeah. thing in our family. They'll throw that thing out. And the problem is it's funny till it's not. And let me explain. So they were having a conversation in one of the schools about what classifies a person as Jewish. 
now in Jewish law, you have very many different, you know, it's okay. It comes from the mother's side and it's here and you have to follow the mother's lineage and that makes you Jewish. Now, if you convert, you do it this way. It's a whole thing, but they were having a, a conversation. And in this one particular school I know about, um, there was a kid who identifies as a, they, them in the classroom and they were triggered by this conversation. And what they did was they marched to the principal's office of a Jewish school and said, I'm offended by this. The kid was called in for sensitivity training. The parents were called because our generation, or maybe it's the generation above us, is afraid of getting canceled or afraid of whatever it is. So they don't treat it as funny. The kids may treat it as funny, but they're worried about the political pushback. They're worried about what the government's going to do to them. They're worried about all that. And the kids don't have any any concern about that kind of stuff. And the parents right. actually good for them. They said, screw you. We're not doing any of this. You know, shut up. we're not, we're not yeah. going along with any of this, but how many people get shushed into silence? How many people yeah. can't make those jokes? I think about our comedic layout these days, our comedic landscape. There's nothing funny anymore because you can't make jokes about anything. I remember right. Adam Sandler and his whole crew from, you know, it was Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler, David Spade, and that guy who's not funny, who goes with them these days, uh, it's not Jamie Kennedy, but somebody like that, right? Okay. Who goes with them. And they came to Seattle and it was right before COVID. It was the funniest damn thing I'd seen in forever because it was all the things you can't say and none of it was political. Yeah. It was hysterical and it was enjoyable. And I'm like, why can't we, why can't we talk like this anymore? Our late night talk show host is not entertainment. Our late night talk show host, they think they're political commentators. And you know what? At the end of the day, people have had enough of the political commentary. There's a reason right. that in the morning, Drive time radio is rated higher than afternoon because by the afternoon, you don't want to listen to it anymore. You want to relax and listen to music or whatever. Mm -hmm. Of course, I get the afternoon drive slot. But, you know, there's people who want to, yeah. <laughs> they want to listen to whatever it is. I get that. But at night, especially when you're going to sleep, you want to get your heart racing or do you want to relax with something? And the reason a guy like Greg Gutfeld on Fox News has such high ratings is because he says, we're going to do politics, but at least we're going to be funny about it. Right. What happened yeah. to the old Saturday Night Live? where you had the Bill Clinton mockery nonstop and the Bush mockery and the, it, it's all gone. There's nothing funny about that show anymore. And it's upsetting. I know every generation says, oh, our Saturday Night Live was the best one. I always wonder what people in the 1970s said. But they, you look at this stuff and you go, it's just not funny because they take themselves too seriously. They think they are out there saving the world. And actually, I had, I had some listener feedback the other day where they said, oh, you're getting too serious in your show. You used to be all funny and making fun of this stuff all the time. And I'm like, you know what? You're 100% right. And I went back to being funny again because people want the entertainment. People want the humor. And if it's all doom and gloom all the time and it's all, you know, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. People don't want that. They need the humor in their lives. But there's a reason that these comedians don't go to college campuses anymore. There's a reason they don't do that. There's a reason. When was the last time you heard about a comic album that you wanted to buy on Spotify or that you want to download? Or you want to listen to the only thing we hear about is Dave Chappelle. The only thing, and I don't even particularly like Dave Chappelle, but you know, I'll buy tickets to his show the next time he's in Seattle just because I'm going to get something raw and fun. I right. mean, I bought yeah. the Chris Rock tickets as soon as they went on sale, just because I know they're going to be raw and fun. But how often do you hear that stuff anymore? And it's sad. It's it's taken something away. I mean, can you watch Blazing Saddles anymore? Is that show even is that movie even shown on air? If it's shown on air, they probably the abridged version is seven minutes long. That's probably. <laughs> And meanwhile, this is something that's showing you how how dumb racism is. Right. Yeah. You know, I love that meme that goes around, you know, oh, your generation is offended by everything. This was the voice of our generation. And it's Andrew Dice Clay or it's Mel Brooks <laughs> or it's that's all gone. 
that's mm-hmm. all gone because there's so many of these snowflakes that are allowed that are leading the conversation. There's so many people from our generation and older protecting them, saying, you can't say this. We have the First Amendment. We can say whatever the hell we want. Do you think, though, that that makes room for people who to succeed, who fill that need? Like I, another comedian, for example, that I think is is excellent is Ricky Gervais. Right. And he's yeah. still getting he still gets Netflix shows um, and shows and comic specials. Um, and he's someone who just says whatever he I mean, he's not, he's not a conservative, but he certainly is not bought into the woke agenda and the censorship agenda. And so he just says whatever he thinks will be funny. And it, I mean, it definitely is cancelable in the, it, it qualifies as at should be canceled, but using the leftist mm-hmm. rules. And yet he's continuing to do his thing. He doesn't care. Now, I don't know if that's just because Ricky Gervais doesn't need the money and can do what he wants. And maybe if he was 20 and starting out, he would never make it. Um, I'm not sure, but do you think this, you know, when it be, when when things become so oppressive that people there's a hunger that people get they they people are hungry for someone to make jokes about some of this stuff, and you know do, do you think that'll be an opportunity for a, a proto Ricky Gervais or Dave Chappelle to build a career out of? I mean Ryan Long's one on on mm-hmm. YouTube. So here's a perfect example. Yes, but no. I don't know who Ryan Long is. Because everything is so diversified over social media. What's the TV show that everybody watches these days? I can't think of it. I can't. The last one I can remember was Game of Thrones. I never watched Game of Thrones. But that's the last one I can remember was the cultural phenomenon, which everybody was talking about. And still only, what, like 8 million people watch that sucker. I mean, like 10 times that watched the end of MASH. You know, (laughs) we don't have that. We don't have that. Everything is so diluted over so many different platforms. How many, how successful does a person have to be so that they're known by everybody, so that their message is getting out to everybody? Ricky Gervais had a career before that, before that monologue at the Emmy Awards or the Golden Globes or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Rock had a very, very long career before social media, before Will Smith decked him in the face. You know, these guys were known before them. Can an unknown become known? is a lot harder these days and you have to be on all these different platforms at the same time if the platform doesn't like what you say you're done i mm-hmm. think of that john stewart clip where he was talking about the uh the wuhan lab and he was comparing it to hershey pennsylvania chocolate factory right now oh, there's an explosion of chocolatey goodness wonder right. where it came from <laughs> he can say that because he's john stewart and the reason mm-hmm. the left went bonkers about it is no 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 you're supposed to be on our side you're supposed to be on our right. side but can anybody really say what they want anymore and become that successful, become that popular? The people my kids watch, Mr. Beast or whatever it is on YouTube, I don't know who the hell these guys are. I never heard of them. I've never seen anything. They're not designed for me. But with the availability of options, can you really have a person who becomes that famous anymore? I think one of the reasons the Top Gun movie did so well is Tom Cruise may be the last movie star we have left. And yet everybody chose to forget about all the Scientology insanity and everything else. <laughs> it was a hell of a great movie. I saw it four times in theaters. You know, it's so a great good. movie. It was awesome. Yeah. And I, I love that stuff. But <laughs> it was something that came through without any politics, which just, yeah, this is a great action movie in America and whatever. It's fantastic. How many times does that really happen anymore? Is Hollywood going to produce that kind of stuff anymore? Are we going to see that kind of stuff in our entertainment? Is our entertainment so saturated? I mean, really, the reason Top Gun made so much money is because it had no competition. It had no competition at all. There's no summer blockbuster season. 
And the reason that they just keep printing money is like, well, I want to go to the movies, but Jurassic World sucked. So maybe I'll go see the Top Gun. Jurassic World was horrible. Nobody should go see it. The new one. <laughs> it was unwatchable garbage. And I don't care that it had the original cast. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. But it was the only thing out there that anybody wanted to see. That and the Minions. That and the Minions. Those <laughs> were two things that made a lot of money. So can we really have that anymore? I wish we could. I don't know if we can. How successful have it's not just because I'm 41, but I don't know who these stars are that my kids are listening to on the radio. I well, no but do we anymore. need to have do we need to have I mean, we don't need to have a culture in which there's a few number of stars at the top. In fact, I think it would be healthier to have uh I'm gonna use I'm gonna use the word diverse, but I don't mean it in the way the left does. It would be healthier to have a diverse set of uh entertainers. And so maybe no one, maybe Ryan Long never has to be get, get to the, maybe no one is Ricky Gervais and, but that that's okay. Uh, we just have a more, more variety and fewer unicorns in terms of stars. Right. And, yeah. and there's just more variety. Like that's, that's fine. And maybe it doesn't come out of Hollywood. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure there's anything wrong with that model. I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying if we're looking for somebody whose message is getting across and we shouldn't be looking mm. to our celebrities for that. But if we're looking for somebody on social media, who are the political messages? Who's who, who's getting the political messaging out? AOC has 13 million followers on Twitter. 13 million followers. Is her yeah, message really? Yeah. Yeah. It's something insane like that. Like, go look it up. I mean, you got to you got to look at these things and look at the amount of, of followers these people have. Is that the one that's cutting through the noise? Anytime she opens her mouth, it's CNN, it's MSNBC, it's Fox News. Everybody's covering yeah. it. Anytime Marjorie Taylor Greene opens her mouth. I mean, look at Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has figured out how to use Twitter effectively. He really has. But is his voice the one that's getting out there? No. And if her voice gets big enough in the conservative world, is that when the social media censors come down on? Look, I can be aware of my station in life, okay? I can be aware of where my radio show is, where I hope it will be. But right now, Twitter can easily suppress anything I have. I mean, after I had Donald Trump on my show, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The censors just bam right down on my uh -huh. head. And, uh -huh. and my interview actually went viral because Trump was talking about the Middle East stuff. And he was talking about how Israel, he said, he said that Israel owns Congress, right? He said Israel owns Congress. <laughs> what he meant to say was Israel enjoys bipartisan support in Congress. That's what he meant to say, right? But instead, he said it that way. Now, I know what he meant, and everybody else with half a brain know what he meant. But boom, this thing goes, you can look right. it up. It's there. And yeah. then the next thing you know, Facebook took it down. YouTube took it down. Everybody, I think the only place you can still find the thing is on my website and Rumble. You know, those are the only places you can find this stuff. They took it down because what was their justification for that one? Oh, no, that one, because he also said something about voter fraud or who knows what. You know, oh, he said okay. the stuff yeah. he always says. But all the stuff got taken down right away. You can't. If you have something that's going viral, that's a discussion, I think also some of it got cited for hate speech, right? I mean, right. like the, the guy who's got the Jewish son-in-law and the Jewish daughter, you know, hates hate speech. Um, they don't want that stuff out in the world anymore. They want to get rid of it. They want to censor it. And my concern is that if you have these voices get too big, they're going to shut them down. And yeah. that's a very, very scary place to be. Yeah. And they will, they'll tighten the ratchet, like the, maybe right now they'll go after the people with, you know, 5 million and above followers, and then they'll ratchet it down to 1 million. And when that's mm -hmm. solved, they'll ratchet it down further. And, um, and, cer and certainly a lot of this can be automated nowadays. So yeah, I, it, there's, uh, there's also just something inherently dishonest about censoring in an interview like that, uh, because mm -hmm. even if what Donald Trump was saying was 100% false craziness, 100% lies, 
He's the former president of the United States, and the fact that he said them is newsworthy. Yeah. And we ought to be able to watch and be like, well, that's what this guy's saying. He might be lying, but what he's saying is news because that's who he is, and that's what he's saying. Like that you actually you're hiding even if you don't like Donald Trump, you're hiding the ammunition one could use against him by if he's right. saying crazy things, let them be said, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, look how much, look how often Barack Obama lied. I mean, what was it? The lie of the year was if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Well, I didn't see anybody <laughs> taking that down. Everybody knew that was BS. Right. I didn't see anybody taking that down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, well, let me ask you this, Ari. Um, are there any news stories? I know we've, we've covered a lot here. Is there any news stories that we should be, be paying attention to that we're not right now? Any news stories we should be paying attention to. We're not paying attention to Iran at all. We're not paying attention to yeah. the fact that the U.S. government is about to write them another blank check for as much money as uh, however many billions of dollars they want. We're not paying attention to that at all. We're not paying attention to the fact of these COVID restrictions that were in place for so long that now there's this pushback, but how many businesses were closed? How many were the learning loss? I only hear that out of the conservative side. These teachers unions that are going on strike across the country after keeping kids out of school for a year. I know it's not just happening here in Seattle and here in Washington, but it's happening across the country. We're not paying attention to that at all. Um, the the gender the gender surgeries is not getting enough traction. I know it's getting traction mm -hmm. in the conservative media. It's not getting traction on the left because I know that when people hear about it who aren't used to it, they're horrified, absolutely right. horrified yep. about it. Um, yep. We're not covering the. We're not covering the connection between that and major corporations like sports. Major League Baseball um, was funding a whole bunch of these for their pride nights. They were funding organizations that do these kinds of surgeries. We weren't talking about that at all. We're not talking about why do people want to have these drag events and such? Why do you want to, why do you feel the need to be legitimized by children of your lifestyle choices? Right? right. With something like that. And uh, something that really, you know, you talk about this whole groomers thing, and I know not everybody who's gay is, and not everybody who's trans is, and not everybody who's a drag queen is, not at all. But at the same time, I mean, in my day school growing up, there were several people who were convicted of crimes involving children. In my mm -hmm. kid's school, there were several people who were convicted. Why are we now opening the door for there to be these problems? Why are we not paying attention to what's going on in the schools? Why are we bringing this stuff into the schools? We spent all these years actually on a good track where it used to be the schools would cover the stuff up. They would hush it up and say, we don't want to talk about it. And then it was out in the open. And now we're like, now it's so out in the open, we're going to invite problems because it'll it'll get reported if there's an issue. Yeah. Like, no, no, it never will. And there is actually so much that we're not talking about because we're busy talking about AOC's tweets. Because mm -hmm. we're busy talking about everybody. The, look at all these news stories I covered in, what, 30 seconds? I just threw all this stuff out there and nobody's talking about it. And nobody's really talking about the fact that Joe Biden isn't with us anymore. Nobody's talking about that. That Kamala Harris is not up to the job. What happened to borders are? Why aren't we talking about what's going on down at the border? Why, why aren't we talking about anything she touches turns to complete crap? I mean, they mm -hmm. can't even launch a space rocket anymore based on 1960s technology. We can't even do that. We aren't talking about any of this stuff because we're so busy protecting our inner circle. We're so busy protecting what we view as the future and people saying this is the election of our lifetime. No, it's not. Every election is always the election of everybody's lifetime, but we're so busy staying in our own corners and not discussing the things that may make our side look bad or the whatever it is that the stories aren't getting out there. And these are important stories. And I think the biggest one 
is what COVID did to kids and not COVID itself, but what the lockdowns and the learning loss did to these kids. Instead, they're hushing it up. And these teachers unions are out there saying, oh, it's all about the kids. BS. BS. If it was all about the kids. Uh, the other day I brought up on my show, the Seattle teacher strike. Now, of course, they do this right when school starts. And I said, you know, these teachers get paid six figures plus benefits, plus all this other stuff. Stop telling me. And they only work 189 days out of the year. Tell me another job where you can work 189 days out of the year and get paid that much money. And people start calling me up and yelling at me who are from the teachers union saying, no, it's about the kids. I go, BS, if it was about the kids, you would have fought to get them back in the classroom. And they go, but you have no idea how hard we worked during that time. I'm like, then why didn't you advocate for yourselves and say this online working, this online studying isn't working, get us back in the classrooms. I said, you, none of you were doing that. And they go, well, the vast majority of us feel like that. I go, BS, you don't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to prove it. Because for the Seattle teacher strike, 95% of them voted yes out of the 75% of them that showed up. So only 25% of them actually objected to this. No, it's not the majority. It's not the minority. It's, it's, it's the minority, not the majority, rather. And yeah. why is nobody talking about this? Nobody's talking about the fact that the CDC and the NIH and everybody else is changing their standards for kids. The awful things we did to kids with these lockdowns, with everything else. My my own son, my my middle son, you could see the fire going out of his eyes. And he's a social animal when he couldn't go to school, when he couldn't be with his friends, when he couldn't anything else. And I did everything I could to get him out of that funk. And it was horrifying. I would, uh, new parents, you guys know this, if you're parents, um, when you first have that baby, you go into their room and check on them, make sure they're breathing. And then you, you put your, your head right up to their ear, you know, right, right up, you put your ear right up to their face. Oh my God, their chest isn't moving. Are they dead? Right? You know, we've all had that before. And I was doing that with my teenagers. I was doing mm -hmm. that with my teenagers worried, you know, are they, are, are they, I was that concerned. I was that yeah. concerned. And nobody's being held accountable for it. Nobody's talking about it. And instead, we're talking about what's in the classroom. We're not talking about what these guys did to an entire generation of kids. I hear the new term for these kids is Zoomers because they yeah. grew up going to school on Zoom. The average grade of school kids in public schools in the United States was below failing before COVID. And yet we're focusing on critical race theory and all this other garbage in the classrooms. These kids can't read, write, do arithmetic. And these are the guys who are going to be designing our roads. We're literally looking at the future of idiocracy. That's what we're mm -hmm. looking at, that movie where, yeah. oh, well, you know, uh, it's got electrolytes. That's what we're looking at. Down the road. <laughs> they, they don't know anything. Mm -mm. And yeah. that is, I think, the biggest crime that will go unpunished, unrecognized, and that nobody will talk about what was done to the kids. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm being stupidly optimistic, but I it does seem like more people are waking up to the risks of public education and there's been more homeschooling and there's been more uh, talk about taking your kids. Now, I know not everyone can do homeschooling, not everyone can go to. I mean, it's expensive to do private schools. Homeschooling is 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 difficult and not an option. But I mean, the conversation I'd like to be having is, hey, maybe we should rethink publicly funded education, especially from the federal level. Like maybe that's a discussion we should have, because you know what? Those teachers unions, you're not their customer. Your kids aren't their customer. Their, their customer is the school district who gets funded through a bunch of, you know, bureaucratic uh, measurement systems that have been set up to optimize X, Y, and Z, often making a citizen a good citizen or activist as part of their explicit agenda. Um, and, you know, I, I think... I think it's inevitable when you have this. Now, that said, you can also look at another country like, I mean, I'll bring up China. Clearly authoritarian, uh, clearly not, there's not, you know, there's not homeschooling, 
happening in China. It's government funded schools. Um, so, I mean, and they, they don't focus on, they don't not focus on reading and writing and arithmetic. Like they, they do a much better job. Um, but it seems to be a cultural thing. And, and I'm not suggesting that we have authoritarianism I'm, I'm, at all, but look at how they look at how they treat uh, TikTok. So ByteDance, which is the owner um, in China, TikTok in China, A, is explicitly um, the algorithm is different and it's explicitly they filter in content that is educational and interesting and like engineering videos and that kind of stuff. So the feed is different to start with. And the servers are shut off. I forget what time at night, but like at night when kids are supposed to be doing their homework and sleeping, it's not available. Yeah. Right. Now contrast that with what ByteDance is doing for TikTok in America, where the the worst, most brain dead, uh, you know, ADD inducing content rises to the mm -hmm. top. And it's on 24-7. Just a little thing like that, I think, demonstrates a difference between how uh, what what direction the cultures are moving in terms of childhood education and, and how we view our kids. China's trying to build kids that are competent, smart, and can lead. Now, granted, they're also trying to build authoritarians and conformists <laughs> and all this other stuff. But we're trying to build kids that, you know, have a, as many different colors of hair as they do alternate pronouns. and have no that we don't seem to care whether they can do anything so long as they vote properly and have the right uh you know they're up on all the neologisms that the the woke culture wants them to know that's think it about, yeah think about it this way why do we think every kid has to go to college uh, college was a complete waste for me. I actually, I called my dad after I got the job as the radio host, and that was just a few years ago. And I said, well, that, you know, that drama degree I got finally paid off. You know, <laughs> all that time spent in the drama club, you know, that minor in theater actually finally paid off with my business major. My business major never paid off. It never paid off. Yeah. I majored in marketing, dropped 100 grand on college. My parents did the right thing. They saved up for me. I had to supplement my, my housing and my living expenses and everything else, spent a ton of money. And I couldn't get a job out of college. I went to real estate yep. school, took a two-week course, and boom, I was a real estate broker in two seconds. I could have saved yep. all that money, used it for a down payment on a house. We got rid of shop class. We got rid of all these things. Why do we think that every kid has to go to college to some liberal arts education when we're not going to have any plumbers? We're not going to have any electricians. We're not going to have any mechanics. Hey, who's going to build these electric cars one day? Who's going who's gonna to do that if we're sending all these kids to college? Who's going to know how to build these electric cars? Who's going to know how to keep the power grid running to keep these electric cars actually running? Who's yep. going to know how to do that yep. if we get everybody into college when they have these careers that don't that don't accomplish anything? I mean, you do underwater basket weaving. At least you could sell the basket. But, you know, you major in gender studies or whatever it is. What what job are you going to get? Well, I'm so glad they built a gender studies factory right up the block. <laughs> <from you. laughs> really, what are we going to do with all this stuff? And we are doing the kids a disservice. I mean, think mm -hmm. of the kids who can't do languages. I couldn't do language, right? And I had to take three years of French. And the only thing I know is je ne comprends pas. I don't understand. That's really the only thing <laughs> I remember. That's a complete waste of time that we're doing mm -hmm. that to kids. I mean, look at the junk. What? We have to mandate the books that they read. Oh, so happy you read Brave New World. What? All of us liked like one out of those books, aside from the one random kid who, I love Shakespeare because it gets me girls. Oh, whatever it is, you know, like who needs that garbage? And they're not learning how to balance a checkbook. And look at yeah. the amount of debt our country has. 
Look at the amount of debt these kids are in. I had to learn these skills on the fly and I went to business school. I went to business school. I didn't know half of this stuff. So it's really, really sad that that's the place where we're at, where we're failing our kids so dramatically. And, you know, I remember all the stuff in Loudoun County, Virginia, and that took over the news for a cycle. But when's the last time you saw any of these parent protests? And why is it after the teachers unions in this country tried to have parents declared domestic terrorists that anybody voted for a Democrat ever again? Why isn't it there was this massive uprising? Because then you're back to this loyalty thing. You're, you're back to that again with, well, I really hate what these guys are doing, but, you know, my dad was a Democrat and his dad was a Democrat and I'm a Democrat. And, and you get back to that place. But after them using your kids as medical experiments, after them using your kids as theological experiments and educational experiments and failing across the board, why do you trust your most precious? You haven't earned it at all. Right? You talk about the nanny thing. Who am I going to get to babysit? And you don't care who's, who's teaching them in school. You don't care. You assume they got it. It's like riding in the back of a New York City taxi cab, right? With no seatbelt. Oh, mm-hmm. they're, you know, that driver, they know what they're doing. I'm not going to put on a seatbelt in the back of a New York they're City. They're professional. Cab. Right. Yeah. They got a medallion. <laughs> right, right. So it's the same thing. You're literally doing that with your kids' education. And then people are shocked about how their kids come out. They're shocked yeah. that they completely junked all the values they had at home. And you know what? My kids go to private school and I work my ass so they can go to private school. I mean, yeah. I work about 18 hours a day between writing for the Post Millennial and doing my show and the real estate stuff I do. I work 18 hours a day and it's exhausting and I miss out on a lot of stuff. I really do. But that's so that I can give my kids the absolute best. And I'm not sure I want them going to college. My oldest is going to college in Israel, actually. And the school he's going to has a, what's your major? Well, we're not going to fill you with all this liberal arts garbage. He's majoring in, I forget if it's business or government, whichever one it was, but I looked at both of them and the business major, it's math classes, it's business classes. And it's none of this. Well, you need your English requirement and you need your, this requirement and you need the phys ed. It's none of that. It's just, here's the actual thing. This is how we train somebody. And isn't that the better model? But if you're only doing that, I guess there's no opportunity to brainwash these kids. Right. Yeah, I look, I'll say as uh, I mentored um, in probably hundreds, well, definitely hundreds of founders uh, for early stage startups for a while. And, you know, it's one of the things that one of my I ran a couple of accelerator programs. And, and one of the things that one of my partners and I um, noticed when we were running this program was we're getting kids that graduate from college with business degrees or whatever, who don't actually know the any of the basic things they need to start a business like they don't we're having to teach we were having to teach at a much lower level than we thought we should have to like oh they're a college grad and they you know they have a business degree they these are some standard things they should know um and it it just wasn't there and i'm now seeing a shift of like one of the i still am on some boards and one of the founders i like most was a a kid that i met when he was i don't know he was probably 17 just out of high school got a job doing marketing at some startup and you know he's in his late 20s now and he he's way smarter and a better marketer and a better business <laughs> owner than than most of the kids that i've seen come out of no there's exceptions right sometimes you get a kid who makes use of his college and he's just smart and does other stuff but it, even the stuff that you think that oh like this is a real thing right it's not gender studies they majored in this real thing the results just aren't there. The results just aren't there. And I think getting like an economics degree, for example, I, I, I one of my friends is uh, his daughter's going to college and 
she's thinking about economics. And I said, look, you know, have her read Human Action by Von Mises and Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, and you can skip college. Like, if she goes and gets a college degree in economics, she'll unlearn common sense economics, and she might understand Krugman a lot, but that doesn't, that's not helpful. That's not actually economics. That's backwards. That's like upside down world economics that are destroying the country. It's like that line from Goodwill Hunting where Matt Damon's in the bar and he totally schools that guy on his education. And he's yes. like, oh, you, yes. you could have gotten the same education for $3.50 in return library fees. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really that. Yeah. He, he was it 100% that right. That, that line was 100% accurate. I mean, kids come out of college and don't know anything. I know the Daily Wire makes a big deal about the fact that you don't need a college degree to work there, but how many companies require that college degree and require experience? Well, most yep. kids don't get that because yep. when they're in college, they're so busy getting the college degree. How many kids still work their way through college? And if they did, maybe it was working at a pizza hut mm -hmm. because they just need the money and it's nothing that actually went towards their degree and they're right. doing everything right. right. Uh, it's just, it's a really scary thing when you're saying, yeah, we want you to have this college degree. Well, a college degree in what? You know, they're not going to know anything. They're not going to know anything at all. Great. Come work at yep. my mechanic shop. I require a, a college degree. And that's going to teach you what exactly? Okay. No, we right. need a degree from a vocational school to know that you know how to change oil, which by the way, I do love that the manuals for dry, for cars, it used to be like, here's how you put the car together. And now it's don't drink the wiper fluid. Like that's really <laughs> where we're at. If you look at those yeah. old school manuals, they would tell you exactly how to disassemble the thing. Uh, how many kids know how to change a tire these days? How many kids know right. basics of like how to balance a checkbook? How, do they know any of this stuff? Do they understand what a, what a credit card does? I remember the first time I went to a store and they offered me a credit card thing. And I was in business school at the time. Oh, well, you get this purchase free if you get the credit. Oh, really? Great. Fantastic. Little did <laughs> I know what happened after that. <laughs> they don't know hey, that, that's what that's how you just described uh 43 million student loans apparently exactly you know oh we're gonna have so we're gonna have the plumbers and the electricians and everybody else pay off the debt for the elites that can't get a job because they made a bad investment mm -hmm. you know right. what if i i made a couple bad investments in real estate nobody paid off my debt are they going to start paying mm -hmm. off my mortgage are they going to start paying off my car loans because, you know, I need that car to do my job and otherwise I can't do it. Oh, it's an electric car. We're going to start paying for those because that's the right kind of car. I, where does it end? Where does yeah. it end? And we're only screwing ourselves because who's going to, I mean, look at how, of the people on this call right now, okay? Everybody raise your hands if you know how to change a tire. Okay, good. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> Who knows how to change oil? You, I don't like doing it. Okay, fantastic. Good. <laughs> how many of you know how to take apart your carburetor? I don't know how to do that. Okay, so there we go. I was I knew there would be But a modern cars don't have carburetors, most of them. There we go. Okay, so you got that too. <laughs> I got the older cars. But you you look at that kind of thing and who's going to maintain the stuff for us, which means you have to go out and have somebody do that for you. You have to go out and pay somebody to do that right. for you. And we have less and less people qualified to do that, which is why the costs are going up more and more and more and more and more. And mm -hmm. actually I did learn that in in business school and basics of supply and demand. Yeah. And you know, yep. any parent in their right mind these days would say Son, daughter, whatever it is, go out there and get a vocational degree because you are going to be making more money than anybody else because okay. they need you more than anybody else. Yeah. No, I, it's a it's a great point. And I and I when we have. I think there are certain tech fields that are starting to realize that. Um, and, you know, I used to, I used to hire engineers. I mean, some of the best engineers I hired were college dropouts or didn't go 
but I, no one was looking at their college resume. We were looking at their code base, right? Like, okay, what do you have on GitHub? <laughs> Let's take a look. What have you done? You bring them in, you run them through some, some, you know, you run them through the ropes. Like, can they actually code in real time in front of you? Like th that's what matters because we have work to do. Sure. Um, so uh, I think there are some, some fields that are starting to do that, but people seem to be irrationally reluctant to remove the college degree requirement and just say, look, did you go, there's a million ways to learn JavaScript or whatever else you want to learn uh, online. MIT has free classes. I mean, you can get a, you could probably get a degree in nuclear engineering from MIT without getting the degree, right? Like, so like you can do all this stuff for free. It's all there. Um, and I, you know, I think I have seen some employers get a little bit better, but a lot of the big ones still are just like, they need to tick that box. Like, where's your college degree? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. it's sad. You know, it's sad. And and I, I will say this about our student loan program. This is a this latest thing is a face saving issue because it's a lot of these loans are underwater. They're never going to get paid off. They had the maximum you have to pay only for a while it was 10. But now I think it was reduced to 5 percent of your disposable income, which is a ridiculously small number. Right. Uh, not your income, your disposable income. Uh, and there are discretionary as the word I think they use. And then um, you only have to do that for 20 years, which doesn't sounds like a lot, but it's not that long. Right. So you do that for 20 years and your loan gets forgiven. So I think we're sitting on this portfolio that the government owns. And it's about to be obvious to a lot of people that it's that it's valued way less than they have it on on paper. Uh, and they could they could sell the loan at a discount to uh, they'd have to sell it at a substantial discount to a private entity who would then go collect. They could declare bankruptcy on the loans and say, like, well, these were bad loans. We shouldn't have made these loans. Neither one of those gets political points. But what gets political points? Oh, don't worry. We're going to forgive them. Now everyone's like, oh, thank you for saving us from this disaster. And no one's looking at who created the disaster in the first place, which was the government. Well, also, it was the biggest self-own of all time, the most expensive self-own. So you're telling me that your colleges are doing such a great job that we have to forgive the loans because the people who got the college degrees can't <laughs> right. pay back? Right, uh, it yeah. was the biggest self-own ever. You know, something I did as a parent when we had all the camps and everything closed for the summer of 2020 was I took the deposits and I bought my kids a go-kart kit. Uh, just uh, one of these, and oh, it's cool. more like a dune buggy, right? I'm an awesome dad, yeah. I know. And they spent two weeks building the sucker. Now, if you look at it, it's you can tell it's kid workmanship, but that sucker can go 40 miles an hour. I mean, wow. that pretty awesome. Oh, cool. They uh -huh. learned, yeah, it's it's very dangerous and somehow it's street legal. I found a loophole that you could drive it on street. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> wow. But, Wait, even if you're underage? Yeah. So there's a loophole that you're allowed to drive certain kinds of vehicles because they assume they're for farming and you can drive them on streets in Washington state if you're of a certain age and this thing qualifies as that. So, wow. yeah, I. I it's it's nuts. And I'm like, hey, by the way, here's the law. I put it on a laminate piece of paper and tucked it in an envelope. I'm like, if you ever get pulled over, show them this. And uh, I mean, it's they learn skills and now they're more like they're more willing to take things apart because they go, if we can build mm -hmm. that, we can do this. Yep. But this this student loan forgiveness thing, and that leads to another problem, which is why does the president have the authority to do that? Congress controls the purse strings. You can't do, do you things through executive order. This is exactly why we broke away from England. We didn't want uh -huh. a king. 
you know, we didn't want a monarchy. And it seems like if there's no pushback to this, this is exactly what we get. But unfortunately, there's so many times where do we have the money for the lawsuit? Can we fight the lawsuit? Do we have the money if it goes all the way to the Supreme Court? And unfortunately, a whole bunch of times people go, no. And in the process, I mean, we're really just it's another case of us screwing ourselves where we all just go along with this. Yep. And we're going to where's the Democrats saying you can't do this. You're going to bankrupt the country. Where are the blue dog Democrats? The remaining blue dogs we had, Kristen Cinema and uh, what's his face? Jeff Manchin. Where were they during all this? They went along with it. There are no more blue dog Democrats. And I actually think this hurt them in the polls because a lot of people I talked to, they go, why did their loans get for, get forgiven and not mine? I went to medical school. I went to law school. I paid everything. I did everything I was supposed to do. That clip of Elizabeth Warren and that dad who said he paid for college that one yes. was amazing because it's how we're all feeling right now. So we do everything right. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay off the freeloaders, the ones who are sitting in mom and dad's basement who think they're political pundits who are posting all the stuff, who are probably out marching with Antifa. Uh, you're going to pay off their loans. And what about the rest of us? It's, yep. it's, it's not fair in any way. And, but by sending our kids, continuously sending our kids to these universities where, oh, great. They got to pledge a fraternity. Fantastic. Oh, wow. They got to live the movie experience. Guess what, guys? It's not the movie experience. You know, they, they got to do all these ago. Like, oh, they need the college experience. Well, great. It didn't get you a job. Didn't get you a job at all. <laughs> And, you know, anybody who's seen the movie Cocktail knows this. Go back to Tom Cruise at the beginning of that movie, going around. He goes to school. He reads all the business books, everything. And he can't get a job anywhere, so he ends up a bartender. We're literally paying off his loans for college or whatever. It's it's nuts. It's really, really yeah. nuts. And we're crippling the next generation. And in the process, we're crippling the generation that's supposed to pay for us. We're crippling the generation that's supposed to pay for us to survive. Hey, you want people paying into Social Security? You want people paying into all If they, they need a job to pay those taxes, you know, how is all that going to work? If we don't have those kids to back us up, if those kids aren't taking care of the roads and bridges and electricity and everything else, we may not have them. And we are screwing ourselves in the process of this college or bust mentality. Yeah, it's certainly a house of cards. And we are uh, we just keep kicking the can down the road and, and it's going to one day or as I think uh, Peter Schiff, who's no longer uh, basically allowed on any mainstream media channel because he accurately predicts doom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as the analogy he would use is like look you know you can't keep doing cocaine like just i don't feel hey i'm i'm a little bit down again do some more cocaine hey my high wore off do some more cocaine it's like well eventually your heart explodes you can't just keep doing cocaine and that's basically mm -hmm. what the federal unless government you are the does. son of the president of the united states then you're perfect <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh look we've we've kept you for just about two hours here ari so i i feel like we should let you go but can you do you have any final words for our audience i'll say is that i would just say is that this show i did my research on you guys when you asked me on right <laughs> and i'm looking up what you guys discuss i'm like this show questions the status quo and everybody yeah. should question the status quo all the time what happened to our deeper thinking skills that we were supposed to learn in college we don't have them anymore why are so yeah. many people buying into the common thread or the common narrative that is coming out of whoever it is and always question things you know as as a jew we study talmud and the talmud is really just pages and pages of rabbis arguing with each other questioning each other's conclusions that's what's about science used to be about that and what happened to the science no instead we have the science trademark patent pending copyrighted that's what we have but we don't actually have the science anymore and what happened to those questioning skills and they're not being taught to the next generation and if you want your kids and every parent wants their kids to be better off than they are, you got to teach your kids inquisitive thinking, critical thinking, uh, because they're the generation that's supposed to be taking care of us. 
And unfortunately, so many of us, because we bought into the you have to go to college and you have to do this, we bought into that mindset. And it's really time to change all that because otherwise you're going to have a whole generation of people driving around in their cars alone wearing masks during the next whatever it is. And that's what we're going to be left with, with no critical thinkers whatsoever. And it's very, very important. You question the narrative, even if it's my narrative, even if it's your narrative. And I got plenty of callers that call into my show to do that. But it's very, very important that you question whatever you're being told. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Remind people where they can find you. Absolutely. You can find me over on the Hot Father over at Twitter. You can find me on social media as long as it's not being blocked on Ari Hoffman Official on Facebook and Instagram. My writing's up at the Post Millennial, and you can download my podcast on any podcast platform, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. It's the Ari Hoffman Show. And of course, you can find me over at KVI.com, which is my station. Well, Ari Hoffman, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. It was an honor being here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.